Welcome to the Greatness Garage Podcast, the place where small businesses get big answers. I'm your host, Brad Borkus, founder of Epitome Coaching Consulting, and with me is Jim Keener, entrepreneur extraordinaire. This is a different kind of podcast to get a different kind of results. Our mission is to serve you, the listener, to allow you to be the greatest business owner you can be. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Greatness Garage. We're so happy to have you again. Um, we are excited today. We're going to get a, a, a little bit of, of legal political perspective today to give us an, an insight on how should we use how should we use our politicians, right? How should we properly leverage? How should we connect with them? How should we use the system in a way to, to create great things? And today we have Greg Lemhouse, and we're, we're so excited. Jim, tell us a little bit about Greg. Okay, Greg is a, uh, he's a lobbyist, a former politician, comes from the background of law enforcement. And I think it was, I thought it would be interesting to have him on board and just explain his uh, interface on how he works with small businesses. And he's actually somebody that we had hired to uh, work with a, a pipeline issue that we were dealing with in the state of Oregon. And uh, Greg brought a lot of insight from his perspective at both being a politician and his law enforcement background. And so we merged those together and we're now looking to steer policymakers and drive our agenda through the front door of the policymakers. And the liaison in that situation is Greg Limhouse. And so I'd like to introduce Greg Limhouse from United US Strategies. Is that the name of the company, Greg? United, United Strategies. I'm sorry, United Strategies. So, uh, Greg, take it from here. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. Uh, yeah, I am a lobbyist. Um, that's part of what I do. What I really try and and make clear to people when I work for an organization or or an individual is really I'm a problem solver, and lobbying is one of those things that I do to help solve problems. I'm a registered lobbyist here in Oregon. You have to register with the state if you're going to represent an organization or a business to lawmakers. Uh, but there's other functions I serve with business owners and organizations that kind of help steer them through the morass of government sometimes. Um, a lot of folks go about their day, their business, their organization, and they really have never had to interface with government. They don't know where to begin, if there's an issue, where to start, and how to go through it. So sometimes it's simply guiding them through the process, connecting them with the right people so they can get the answers they need, uh, to try and use the relationships that I've built. Uh, to try and help them, you know, get answers they want. Uh, but sometimes, you know, it's really not getting the answers they want as much as it is informing them as early as possible so that they can make a timely decision, which is, I think, we'll probably get into it, but I think it's a real important thing for businesses to understand that sometimes it's not really influencing the, the decision as much as it is getting advanced intel, if you will, from the law enforcement days so you can make a great decision ahead of time and even beat your your competitors to market i love what you said you know it's about understanding sometimes versus convincing or changing our, our response and and i think unfortunately too many times as small business owners right. when we decide to go to the level of engaging our politicians it's when we're pissed right like they, they shut down our road they they put on a a, 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 yeah. a law or something that's confined our business and we're mad um so let me ask that question first. If I want to start engaging my um, my 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 politicians, my representatives, my my, what's the best way to do that before a problem shows up? What's the best way that you would say for somebody to do that? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I think you're right. A lot of people get pissed and they want to jump on the email or they want to go pound on the door. <laughs> I was in politics for ten years on a city council. I could tell you, get in line. It's not effective. 
Uh, you've got 100 people that are mad at you. Your voice gets lost. The key is doing what you said, which is understanding that everything in politics, and really in my book, everything is relationship-based. And you build a relationship mm -hmm. over time. And that, that has to start when you don't need something. If you go to somebody and want to build a relationship and want something from them right then, it sounds pretty hollow. You know, they're not going to really yeah. be willing to listen to you. So my suggestion is first understand that you're, you're in the political system. If you're a business owner, you're paying taxes, you're dealing with regulations, it's part of what you do. And I've got some great friends who have great businesses, manufacturers, employ lots of people. And I get frustrated with them when they don't seem to understand that politics is part of their job. It's one of the legs that businesses stand on. And you can have great accounting, great HR, great cybersecurity, but if you don't have a political strategy, you're missing out quite a bit. So go talk to your legislators early on or hire someone to do it, to represent you, start building a relationship and get them to understand what it is you do and who you are. Uh, what it is you do is important because they need to have an understanding of how a law may impact you. When I was sitting on a city council, I wasn't the expert of many things. But if I knew in the back of my mind that, oh yeah, my friend who owns a lumber yard, I know some of his issues, something pops up in a meeting, I can instantly recall, you know what, I should check in with my friend on this because this sounds like it might be a lumber issue. I need to get some more information on. If you're ignorant to those issues, you make decisions thinking you're doing what's right, but you're really ignorant. You don't know what the effect that, that it could have on, on people that you care about or businesses you care about. So it's important to have that, that type of education up front. And then it's also important to build a relationship so they trust you. Again, it's easier. Mm -hmm. And if they trust you and like you, they're a lot more willing to listen to you and be influenced by you when, when the time comes. They could also rely on you as a source of knowledge. And I've been able to do that with some clients and it frustrates bigger organizations, bigger associations, because like, why is this one small outfit have more influence? Well, it's because I built a relationship with the lawmaker and they trust me and they trust them. So they'll ask us, what do you guys think? What should we do? What a great spot to be in when it comes time to building a law, to be able to tell the lawmaker what you think it should look like. So one of the things that you said that really struck me too was, um, as you're listening to it in your kind of job, you're listening to all the stuff coming through. And in my business uh, in distribution in North Dakota, we did convenience and food service. So one that I was in, it was in tobacco legislation. We didn't, you know, we didn't want additional taxes that, that, you know, suppress the business. So, so we had some conversations on that. And I mean, as you stepped into it, there was more flow of information and a lot of all this stuff going on. Like, Oh, like how do I even get up to speed at this point? And so I think for, for a small business one, I think sometimes a challenge is like, where do I start? And so if there's someone like yourself or what's the best way to get the information disseminated to us of what we need to know other than creating, you know, certain relationships, what is the best way to, to navigate that? But you're, you're hitting on some of the issues that I think a lot of people are scared of. It's kind of like when you, when you were a little kid and your mom told you to clean your room and it was a total mess. It was, mine was. It's not always that easy. In there and I didn't know where to start. You're just overwhelmed by it, right? That's what my job is. My job is to help people through that process. So what I would suggest business owners do, first off, know what your issue is. Yeah. Know what you want to try and accomplish. Reach out to a local uh, public affairs uh, person like myself or a lobbyist. They call themselves different names. And tell them, this is my business. These are what my current concerns are. Um, can you help me navigate this? And what my job is, is to peel away a lot of the noise and really focus in on that issue. And in every one of the, my clients' case, there's a lot of things going on that I will 
advise them of, hey, something new's coming over around the left corner here. You need to be aware of this, but we're still working on this issue and we're still focused on this issue. The job of a good public affairs consultant really kind of cuts through the chase and gets them to understand what the most important issues are and brings to them decision points and some factors they need to help make their decisions. You know, one of the things that I've that I used uh, lobbyists for in the past is as a steering committee. So I use them for two different issues. One is the sounding board and one is the steering committee. The sounding board is to wow. get a little insight to the, the policymakers and kind of how they're feeling about a situation before I make a decision. And then once we make that decision, then I deploy the public affairs consultant to then steer our policy through that navigation, the waters, in order to get to the right players and to the decision makers. The another thing that uh, Greg's really good at is identifying the obstacles and then developing course corrections and workaround schedules to be able to solve those problems. And in our in our uh, situation that we're working on currently, we have a couple different projects in the pipeline, and one of them is um, a pipeline that is going through one of the one of the properties. And so he's working at that level on the state level and then the national level there. And then on some of these other projects that we're working on, he's, he's working at the local level on up through the state level. And so with his connections, he can travel and he can deal with other uh, consultants around the world that are, that are more positioned. And in addition to that, he gives access to uh, these policymakers that you wouldn't ordinarily have. And so it's a win-win situation for small business people such as myself. Thanks, and I think that's a good description of it too. I kind of see it as what I am too as a force multiplier, which is kind of you're describing. You're a small business or a medium-sized business. You don't have to bring on staff to do all these things and you don't have the time to build a relationship with this outfit or that politician or this lawmaker. That's what I do. And so you can go about your business. I know what our goals are. I will get that lawmaker in front of you for that time period so you can effectively state your case one-on-one -on -one with them and then they're gone and then you can get back to your business. The, the issue that Jim and I are working on, the pipeline itself, that's a great example of my job to reach out to the pipeline folks, build the relationship, spend my time building that relationship with them so that Jim doesn't have to. So that when they come into the room and we're literally sitting at the table, we're all friends. Me and these guys are buddies, right? We're all in a good relationship and so Jim can get down to business. And you can really you can really work through issues mm -hmm. a lot quicker that way if you've got a good relationship built up and, and it takes time. And business owners yeah. and CEOs just oftentimes don't have the time to do that effectively unless that's their role and oftentimes it's not. Yeah, can you imagine yeah, to, to try to put that on top of many unless you know like I said, unless your your company is in an industry where that's just there's a lot of that that going on. But yeah. We've got so much time that we want to spend, especially small businesses, right? Our, our time is spent so much in our business. You know, we're, we're barely trying to get above water to work on our business. So one of the things that, you know, as, as you talk about that ability to uh, connect that leverage, what about as we go through the, the ranks? Like, you know, it's funny when people talk about the presidential this and presidential that, and I say, you know, I'm interested but i care a lot more about who my city alderman is who my you know my regional who my state representatives who i what is the way that you think that you would suggest to build that kind of, of relationship because i think sometimes you get this democratic or democrat republican kind of do you, do you stay in those veins or do you follow by who has kind of uh, uh you know that you connect with what's the best way to connect and build honest relationships like that organically if you're doing that 
Well, I think, I think the key word that you said is honest. That's that's how I go about it. Uh, be honest and upfront with who you are and what you want to accomplish. I, I'm a registered independent because I like to be able to work both parties. Um, yeah. It's been important to me throughout my career to be able to stand on principle, be a problem solver at the local level. And that's what I think local politicians should be. Uh, but it also allowed me to build relationships in both parties. And so I can work within each one of them. I think a really effective strategy or a real effective public affairs consultant can work vertically and work horizontally. So vertically, I can go local, state, federal. I can move up the chain if I have to to solve a problem, but I can also move down and get and push some downward pressure from the federal representatives, maybe down mm. to a local rep representative if I need to, but I can also go laterally into each party. Just depends on what needs to be done at the time. You can kind of call on your available menu of resources, but you only do that again through working through well-built relationships, lots of cups of coffee or beer, a lot of time, <laughs> you know, and a lot of honest uh, helping each other out. A lot of people don't understand that there are a number of times where lawmakers and their staff, and that's something when I say lawmakers, you should assume staff because you work with the staffs a lot, will reach out to myself and other lobbyists or public affairs consultants for our help because they can't communicate effectively to the other side. They need to have an issue, you know, voiced a certain way. They can't talk to certain people. We work together quite a bit to accomplish that. And so with that comes, hey, remember last time I, I helped you on this, I need your help on, on this issue now. And so you build that trust and that, and that um, relationship to real honest interaction. I'll tell you this, in the movies it plays, you know, the character of the lobbyist as being the lying, scheming, cheating kind of person. But if you do that, you're gonna, you may work once, but you'll be out of the business. Uh, most associations won't even let you stay in if you're caught lying as a lobbyist. If you lie wow. to a staff member or lie to a lawmaker to get something, your credibility is destroyed. They'll never work with you again. It's just not worth it. You're much better off being honest and upfront. That's a great point. So I've got a question. So you, you, you tap beautifully into the, um, the stigma, right? And, and, and so, you know, politics is just about money and, and lying and two-facing. Let's, can we dispel that? Like, what, what is it and why do you think that comes up and what's the honest truth? Yeah, I'd love to dispel it, but I can't. <laughs> I was going yeah, to say the same thing. We're, yeah. we're checking on his <laughs> right now. Let's see if he tells the truth it's about like, it's it. It's like because... any industry. You, you've got your good actors and your bad actors. You've got people yeah. who... I think the majority of lawmakers are true problem solvers. They really yep. do want to help. I think in this day and age, you get into a real polarized perspective of things where it's either you're either with me or against me. And I think that's unfortunate, but I think most, most lawmakers at the local state federal level want to solve a problem. Sometimes they have a different way of getting there, but their core, they want to get to the same thing. You do have a slice that are just political in nature. You know, they really are manipulative, it's all about them moving up the ladder, them doing things. It doesn't mean you can't work with those people to accomplish something. You just have to look at it from a different perspective. Whereas the one kind of a true believer lawmaker, it's about educating them as to what the ripple effects are going to be from their decision, what your business does, the impact it'll have. And a lot of times just educating them gets them to go, okay, yeah, I need to take a different view of that because that's important. The yeah. other folks you deal with, you're also educating them, but you're educating them in a way to say, you know, this is who I represent. If this goes poorly for them, you're not going to have their support anymore. And they can figure out in their own minds the political calculation for that. How many votes is that? What do those protests look like? What do those letters look like? Conversely, this, this really helps my 
you know, association, whoever I'm working with out, they'd be really supportive of you and what you're trying to do. Again, they're making the political calculation. So it's really kind of working through that. Um, yeah, there's bribes and yeah, there's nasty stuff going on, but you, you get reports of that. When that stuff happens, it makes big news and it ends careers. So yeah. I would say just like in any industry, there's your bad apples, but the vast majority would rather be above board. They can be aggressive and they can be pushy. Um, it can be a lot like the floor of a stock market where people are pushing really hard to get what they want, but in the end, you're going to go have a beer, a glass of wine afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough to believe because because there's such a lot of times divisive issues um, that they, it's their job, you know, and, and, and while and their job is to fight hard for whatever the position yeah, is that they're at, isn't it? Yeah, hard for your client. I mean, you still have to have a principled center, and there are yep. things I will not advocate for. I think everyone's got that line, um, but if it's legal, if it's moral, if it's ethical, uh, and I and I don't have a problem with it personally. I can argue that side. If I'm if I'm representing a client and advocating for them, that's my job. And most people in this business don't take it personally. You know, that's just us doing our job. We don't have to cross a personal line. I can be an asshole if I want to, but it's not mm -hmm. that effective. You know, Jim and I have talked about this before. I guess how many tickets I didn't write when a guy was being an asshole to me. <laughs> a small number. Yeah. Your mind was zero. Yeah, it's, yep. it's not that effective. You know, exactly. I mean, there are people yeah. going in there and pounding the desk and threatening them. It just shuts them off, really. Just be be persuasive, be kind, be open. I think uh, and educate them. And when it comes to dealing with other lobbyists, you really need to have a long term view of it. You could be opposed to them on on an issue now, and later on you could be with them. I've personally experienced that on a literally a minute to minute basis where me and another lobbyist are, are waiting for the other one to finish their meeting so I can argue against him. And then as soon as we finish up that meeting, he and I went down the hall and argued together in favor of another issue. <laughs> it's just part of the job. That's right. Yeah. Hired guns, exactly. That's exactly the way we use lobbyists. We, we use them as a penetration point to identify people that are in line with our views that we can support right. and people that are opposing our views that we have to oppose. And so when we identify those people, then we work to build consensus and direct our message specifically to them. And we steadily drip our message to them. And then the follow up and follow through and the driver is Greg to make sure that our position is getting in front of the right players and that it's being presented properly. And then on the backside, we, you know, we start looking at other ways to apply pressure. And so we start supporting the people who are in line with us and opposing those others. And then you can do that financially. You can do that using the press. You can use press releases. So there's right. a lot of ways to steer this in order to get a predictable outcome. And so that's the way that we choose to use um, our relationship really with you know, Greg and our. I think they're too small to make an impact. They're just, that's not accurate. Not in my view. Yeah. Um, if you build a relationship, one person, can have a big impact on a senator, a state legislature, le legislator, a local politician, if you build a strong relationship with them. Um, we have a saying, I think it was a Midwest senator or congressman that came up with it, but it's so true. When it comes to the lawmaking process, you're either at the table or you're on the menu. If you're not paying mm. attention to what's going on, your interests are gonna get tossed under. And I've got examples to where, had I not been watching, clients would have been hurt, they'd have been irreparable, irrevocably damaged that we're able to fix that because we were paying attention or laws that passed that oh. people had no clue of 
You know, the, the biggest case I can give you is that a couple of years ago, the Oregon legislature, um, it became legal for nurses to do vasectomies. Hmm. My sister's a nurse. I love nurses. Yes. Nothing against nurses, but uh, I, no one. Knew. Yeah, that, that, if you're a urologist, though, that's going to change your business structure quite Absolutely. significantly, isn't it? Yeah. All of a yeah. sudden, they go, "Wait a minute, hold on." Now I'm competing with a whole other subset yeah. of individuals here. So there's yeah. a lot of competing interests going on, and if you don't at least have somebody watching, watching your interests, you could really you could be damaged and not even know it even if you're part of an association, which I know a lot of my clients are, and, and it's great to be part of associations, but keep in mind that association may not have your particular interests in mind. It may be looking at a broader scope, or it could be looking at the population center. Every state has population centers out in Texas. Yep. It could be looking at, if you're in Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, you've got more influence than a, the same industry out in Odessa or whatever. So yeah, you want to be part of the part of the association, but you also want your own representation. That's a great point. And, and you know, one of the things that you um, were saying earlier that kind of brought me back in was, um, you know, I said, if the first time you walk up to somebody with a handout or a fist pounding on the desk, you ain't going to get this up. What what is a good way, a good olive branch to bring in a good gift to bring in a good way to approach someone in a servant manner? Yeah, not a financial, right? Like not a little package, you know, a little envelope, but I'm saying from a servant position that says, how can I, I can help you this way? What's a good way people can help politicians? You know, really is understand where they're coming from. That's why I think, <laughs> I think former politicians, I can go so many ways with that and get in trouble, but um, I think former politicians are make really effective lobbyists and public affairs consultants uh, because we've been on the other side of it. I know it doesn't work. Gotcha. I said, I know for me, if you come making threats and pounding my email box with the same thing over and over again, you move me further away. If you come yeah. begging and, and, and pleading your case and like, this is the biggest thing in the world and overstating it, you're pushing me away. I look at it like this. I think lawmakers, I know lawmakers are very crunch for time. They've got a million people talking to them. They, they're doing this all day long. They're tired. They've got families. They're hungry. I like to get to the point. I like to be pleasant and quiet and just say, this is who I am, this is who I represent, this is the issue I'd like to talk to you about, these are our main concerns, do you have any questions, or is there anything I can do for you, really get to it. To me, yep. if they give me 15 minutes, I'm going to take 10, because I want them to feel like, yep. oh, this guy gets it, he respects my time, and most of the time, it goes 30. The other thing you can do is, if you understand their people, is do the research, scout them. You know, I'm a coach, too, I'm a football coach, so I scout. Ah, I'm nice. a guy that worked, uh, you know, intelligence operations, so I, I get intel. I scout these people out. And if they're a former police chief, I don't call them lawmaker, I call them chief. They love yeah. it. You know, former police chiefs love being called chief. And all of a sudden it opens up and we share stupid police stories for 30 minutes when we have a 15-minute <laughs> meeting. Um, if they're into other things, you know, be aware of that. And you might even say, hey, uh, um, you know, I, I know that your daughter dances. I just left my daughter's dance recital. And, you know, whatever kind of a, an opener you might think about to get them to relax and build that personal connection can be effective too. Um, asking other lobbyists what kind of people they are. Maybe there's certain things they want and make sure you hit that. But again, the key is understanding where they're coming from and what's going to be effective in making you influential, I think is being a, a considerate professional to their time and what they're trying to do. It really is not effective, I don't think, to build a huge sob story or pound on the table. I always go yeah. back to, you know, driver's side. 
If you cried, I wrote you a ticket. If you flirted with me, I wrote you a ticket. If you yelled at me, I wrote you a ticket. The people I most often write tickets to were the folks that were just honest, upfront, you know, treating me like a normal person. I think that's just an emotional response people have in general. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Just yeah, be honest. I, I, I I, it's funny, that just hits so, you know, so nicely for us, I think, that, you know, just be human with them. Yep. Connect, and, and then, like you said, like you said, too, like, don't, it, it isn't about getting it all out at once. It's about respecting their time, making a way that they remember you, that connection, that story that says, oh, that's the guy who's a football coach, or that guy's mm -hmm. the guy who his daughter does, you know, making the connection, and then being succinct to the point, bullet points, here's what it is. Yeah. It's selling, is really what it is. You know, one of the things, what, yeah, one of the things that I did when, when me and Greg started working together in a specific area that he wasn't interested in, nor had worked in, in the past, was start the process of dripping information to him and getting him more inquisitive on what we were discussing before asking him to go and take that message further. And so we were talking about um, using psilocybin in the veteran space and how I felt with my two boys, both being combat veterans who benefited from participating in the microdose study, I felt that I saw such a significant improvement in both the boys' life that we have to do something about it. And so when I reached out to Greg, Greg coming from law enforcement, knowing psilocybin is illegal, of course, the first thing he thought was, okay, um, you know, we don't want to get into this magic mushroom thing. But then as he started to realize what I realized that there was a path yeah, forward. Yeah, you can't hear, can you hear Greg? Sorry. Oh, okay. I thought you, um, then I started just giving him information. And then as he started to investigate it further, then he started to understand that there is a path forward, providing that we change the law or providing we find people that are looking to move in that direction as well. And so even though his initial response was accurate, through this process of education, he is now understanding that there's a path forward and he has since found other mm -hmm. policymakers who agree that there's a path forward that we're gonna start working to uh, make that happen. So that goes from starting with something that is completely illegal to looking for a penetration point to educating the populace, educating the politicians, educating the lobbyists. The lobbyist takes that knowledge, improves it one, two, three, 10%, introduces it to the right policymaker. The policymaker then reaches out and says, what kind of constituent um, group are we looking at? Is it large enough? Is it a political voting block? Is it a problem if we don't look at this? And then you have other outside agencies looking and, you know, picking away. And so my, my process is to start, to crawl, to walk, to run, and to bring in players that are key players that have the ability to impact these policymakers and move the ball forward. And uh, we believe that we'll be yeah, successful in 2021. We haven't quite hit on, but I think it's crucial to it. It's also, um, sometimes you need to be incremental. It's understanding What's the goal? And the goal can change over time. But psilocybin is a great point. And we saw this in, in recreational marijuana. There are people that were so supportive of it and so passionate about it. They wanted it all at the same time. Whereas I always go back to the old uh, the movie Colors where Robert Duvall is talking to Sean Penn. You know, and, and he's a young cop. He wants to run in there and do everything. And he said, the old story about the bulls, two bulls standing up on a ridge. Uh, and he says, let's go down there and get one yeah. of them cows. Let's run down there and get one of them. And he said, no, let's walk down there and get them all. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you can push too hard on these laws and you push people away. Yeah. So we believe with the psilocybin is a great point. Yeah. 
we have to slowly get people on our side without scaring them off, getting them to understand the value of it, making it a way that, that is embraceable, and then slowly taking it further and further as people are more comfortable. If you try and shame people into saying, oh, we need to do this right now, or you're a terrible person, and you try and get emotional about it right away and go for the whole kit and caboodle, you'll probably risk losing it all. And even if we have to settle for 25%, we'll go back for 28 yep. next time. We'll keep building until we have 100. Hi, this is Brennan, one of the producers of The Greatness Garage. I just wanted to send a short message and let you all know that you're invited to come on the program yourself and experience live coaching. Once a week, we release an episode where a business owner gathers up all their problems and talks to the guys about what their best options might be. If free business advice sounds good to you, send an email to guest at thegreatnessgarage.com. Now back to the program. what we do is we sell we sell ideas we sell people we sell perspectives and the, the practice of selling something and convincing someone to invest or convincing them to vote for you and it's really all the same stuff it's relationship building and the process you go through because not only do you have to understand your process but you have to also understand your process from um a less emotional perspective so that you can communicate it from a factual standpoint so that other people can absorb and understand it from whatever their perspective is. Um, but isn't, that's an interesting thing. Instead of somebody going, like, oh, this is, you know, this is the most horrible thing. Like, you know, Greg, I think earlier you were saying, this is how it affects my constituents or the people that I represent. And here's how it will affect. And here's the, you know, people kind of understanding the cause and effect and, 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 and just really understanding that there is a law of unintended consequences and yeah. being okay with that and understanding it's a discussion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a time for the emotional play. You know, you know, I Brad. I tell you, my style is, is not that very much. I like to be a quiet professional. I like to work behind the scenes. I like to have conversations that are not threatening with lawmakers and individuals mm -hmm. I need to influence. I want them to be in a good headspace to trust me. And I want them to know that I'm not going to embarrass them and my clients aren't going to embarrass them. There are times where it's, it's, it's appropriate to do a letter writing campaign or to do some type of show of support. But I tell you, you know, my my read of it the you know the 30 years i've been tracking politics and the 20 years i've been involved in it is protests are so common now it's so mm -hmm. easy to get you know outraged it's so it just happens all the time i think they've lost their effectiveness i really do i mean i, I remember you know yeah. people protesting the council chambers and saying look everybody here wants this and we having to point out okay that's 200 people that's less than one percent of our population not everybody yeah. wants it you know, I mean, it, over time, it loses its effectiveness. I think that you're you're right on with the, about being an educator, uh, because effectively, I mean, I think more than sales yeah. skills, mm -hmm. it's educational skills. It's literally educating them properly. And, you know, in this case with the psilocybin was a similar support. When I, I realized that we had the veteran community, we had the intellectual community, that the majority of these people microdosing were engineers. These are people that used to be on Adderall and opioid dependent individuals looking to get off opioids and they moved towards psilocybin. I never thought that that was a, you know, a, a gateway to get out of something. Yeah, I always thought yeah, that that mm -hmm. was a gateway to get into something. And I had never done the research and thought that 
hey, these people are looking to use this drug to get off of opioids, can't even say it, um, and, and less to get on to something else because, you know, we've been taught that everything's a gateway. So marijuana is a gateway to all these other things when in fact that turned out not to be true. And then to look that there's a gateway to get out of something that where pharmaceutical companies are making billions of dollars pushing these painkillers and then these people can't get off of them. And so I invested in a company called MindMed out of Canada, one of the early round investors, and we're working to develop the, the pharmaceutical side of things. And so on that side in the Canadian market, we're looking to use the, the uh, psilocybin-based psychoactive drugs to get people off of opioids. And we're in the clinical trials now to start moving down that path. And then on the, the natural side, the nutraceutical side, we're looking at how we can get more access to psilocybin-based therapeutics to deal with the PTSD, with, to deal with the anxiety, and to deal with the emotional trauma um, that a lot of our soldiers are dealing with by being deployed nearly 14 years at war. I think we're going on 16 years at war now. And so, you know, I'd never been that interested in it until my children were both affected by it. And then we started doing these trials and they had migraine medicines and then they put them on a ketamine trial which is a horse tranquilizer. And then they were looking at all these other opportunities on what we could do to get these kids help. And we participated in the psilocybin study and I saw the benefits immediately. And now we have an entire yeah. veteran community that has been microdosing illegally for a long period of time, some up to three years, illegally breaking the law. And they found tremendous relief. And so they're coming to me saying, hey, Pops, what could we do you know, we don't want to be criminals. We, we, they all run organizations. They all do very well in the community and they're all on psilocybin. Now, not enough of a dose to affect the psyche, but enough, enough of the dose to help minimize the pain and the symptoms associated with traumatic brain injury and TBI. So they used to take these um, um, migraine drugs that would just wipe them out. And so your, your brain yeah. is gone and you're gone. And then when you're off of it, then you have to recover and come back. But if you want to escape, there's different mind drugs that they're giving these kids that are for migraines that what they do is they wipe you out. And so you're, you don't have the headache. Just with, with Jim saying that, that gets me. So like, how do you use a, a lobbyist? How do you use, you know, a, 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 a public, you know, that, that understands this. And one thing that came to me is, is with anything, what scares me is what I don't know. I don't know. And so if, you, if somebody wanted to engage you and said, here's the business I'm in and what could possibly, you know, what could possibly politically ever affect me, how do you help them walk down with going, um, what you don't realize is that it's a light breeze, but the winds of change might be coming or are starting to blow in this direction. How do you help them through? Like, can they have a sit down with a strategic, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, and I would, I would encourage them to do that, you know, and they shouldn't be paying for it either, by the way. I mean, a good public affairs consultant is going to sit down and say, these are the threats you're facing. In fact, you could do a fairly quick SWOT analysis, and that's what I would typically do is a free SWOT mm -hmm. analysis to say, these are the, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats that your business is facing. I could probably do one fairly quickly for many industries because we deal with them all the time, like manufacturing and things like that. But you want to walk them through of these things, the threats they're facing, the opportunities, how they could deal with them, the, the options available to them. But it's important to not overwhelm them. And the psilocybin yeah. issue is a good point of it. You know, when we go sell this to lawmakers, we could, we could sell it in a million different ways. But to me, you focus on opioid abuse, 
and veterans issues. Those are two really big issues. A lot of people can resonate with them. You move forward with those. So if I'm talking to a business, I'm going to find out what are your biggest concerns. And then I'll do the research on the legislation or the regulation, which may affect them. And then, you know, present to them some strategies going forward that could help them strengthen their business. And some of it might be, like I mentioned earlier, is just knowing ahead of time. You know, we talk about lawmaking, but regulation is just as important. And there's a lot of unelected officials who make who make regulations that affect your business that you can affect if you know how to do it by getting hold of the right agency. So one of the things that I try and, and impart to, to potential clients is the importance of understanding what's going to happen. Nothing happens quickly in politics, as you can you can tell most of the time. And so you can find out if you've got a good relationship with the right legislatures, you sit on the right committees or the right agency people, it looks like this is going to happen. And I can go back to a, a business member and say, maybe you're not in the changing the rules part of the game. You don't want to make new laws or change laws, but you want to know what's going on. I'll be able to tell you as soon as I can what we think is going to happen, what we believe it's going to look like, and the timeline. So you might know a full business quarter in advance what's going to happen. You can start making changes. You can prepare for it. You can do all kinds of different things. And your your competitors are going, what the hell is Jim doing that for? And then when Q3 hits, they go, and they read it in the paper, they go, oh, shit, that's what he was doing. <laughs> and it's because Jim had the intel. That's, that's why that was happening. Um, so that alone, I think, is valuable to businesses. It's really understanding what their need is and what their concerns are. And if there isn't a, a real specific concern, then I would tell them you need to know what's going on. To be ignorant of an entire section of society that affects your business, affects the livelihoods of you and your coworkers and the people who work for you, and I think that's I think that's dangerous. Well, yeah. and one thing that you said there, that Jim, that really kind of um, I, I I I listened to it and I heard it this time in a different way is steering, and. You know, th th when we're talking about steering, a lot of times we're thinking, oh, yeah, like, like what legal things should I avoid or what political things coming up are going to problem? But what about what about the winds of change of opportunity and a, and a sales steering consultant that says, hey, you know, they're opening up a new branch of this. They're opening up a new of this. There's, a, you know, all these opportunities. So from a steering side, I heard that in a whole new way, uh, kind of listening to you talk on, on what you've gone through. Um, you know, and the other thing. Greg, that like I was sitting over here and my mind's actually starting to melt a little bit because um, where you, when you said unelected officials, I just went, oh, like there's, there's so much experience I've had with unelected officials yeah. that, you know, we have, you've had to deal with. And, you know, back in, in my home uh, state of North Dakota, in my hometown of Minot, you know, they've had a lot of changes happen in theirs and they actually just let go of their city manager. And that city manager was difficult to work with. And he's held up a lot of uh, real estate development that's happened in the area. And, you know, just going, and he was an unelected official, but I will tell you one thing, I could have talked with any elected official and it wouldn't have helped very much because that guy was in the way. And I started thinking about that going, holy crap, I should have an entire strategy or a company should have an entire strategy working with the unelected officials. I'm not going to say more, but maybe almost as much as the elected officials that, that affect your industry. Yeah. Wow. I would say at least as much and sometimes more. I mean, it really depends on what you do. Mm -hmm. If you're a person who works with land use quite a bit, zoning, an individual planner, a senior planner at a city can be all that matters. For whatever reason, the structure of that city, just they don't have a strong enough planning director, whatever it might be, this senior planner is the person who, who can make or break you. 
And so yeah. have a relationship to work through that is really, really important. And find a public affairs person who has a history with certain cities where they know people, they've got relationships, they can work with certain individuals or they know how to work around them given that organization. State agencies, yeah, there are commissioners and there's other individuals that are appointed that are extremely powerful and that really should be top of mind for a lot of your public relations or public affairs people um, to deal with that. Yeah, I, I tripped up and said public relations because one thing I was talking about that I haven't really mentioned, I was thinking about it was the difference between public relations and public affairs. And a lot of people get those <laughs> caught up a little bit and Jim kind of touched on it. My job is not to spin the truth for you. My job is to tell you what the truth yeah. is, is to look at the lay of the land. Politics has an effect on everything. And so whatever is happening at the national scene, the state or the local scene, my job is to evaluate it and tell Jim and my other clients, this is what you're dealing with. This is how it's going to, I, I believe it's going to affect your business. These are the opportunities you have. And some of the clients don't like to hear it, but it's not the job of the public relations consultant or the public affairs consultant to be a PR machine and try and spin it a certain way. That's your job. You have PR people yeah. for that and marketing people for it. My job is either to point out potential opportunities, potential obstacles. I can provide some some strategies of how we're going to deal with that, but ultimately it's your choice about what you want to do. And I think a good public affairs consultant does that. The other, I think, bonus that you have by working with a, with a public affairs consultant is you have the NDA. You've got contractual agreements with them where they're an outside person, but they get to know you really well. You know, you, you yeah. develop a strong personal relationship with them. They understand your business. There are times you want to bounce something off of them and they'll give you honest feedback and they can't tell anybody about it. You know what I mean? So it's another kind yeah. of an additional way to use that outside person who understands what you're trying to do and say, you know, what do you think about this? They give you their advice, give you their perspective. Well, Greg, you have provided us a ton of information and we've, and we've just been sponges over here. We love it. I hope the audience has gotten a, a ton out of this because if you're listening, there's so much value. Greg, if somebody has some specific questions, they'd love to reach out to you or engage you. What's the best way to connect with you? You know, just send me an email. Uh, my, my company's name is the United Strategies out of Oregon, but my email would be Greg, G-R-E-G at United, I'm sorry, Greg at ustrategies.org. Okay. Greg at yeah, Org. Make sure you note the org. Okay. Right. Uh, shoot me an email. Let me know what your issues are. If I can't help you, if you're in an area of the country that I just, I can't help you, I'm happy to refer you and try and connect you up with somebody that can. That's awesome. Well, and, and everybody, uh, you know, if you want to reach out to Jim, um, Sonic Solutions, uh, right? We can, we can connect up with you that way. And if you guys want to talk to me, you have questions for me, Go to callwithbrad.com. We are so happy to serve you. Greg, again, so very gracious that you came and shared your wisdom with us. Um, until next time, everyone, thank you all and, and have an amazing, amazing day. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Greetings, Greatness Garage guys and gals. This is your producer, Brennan. I'd like to tell you about my YouTube series called Your Blue Continent where every week I visit with development agencies all over the world, in places like Ethiopia, the Congo, Bangladesh, and Myanmar, observing new and innovative solutions to chronic problems affecting people all over the world. The only way we're ever going to eliminate our problems with poverty and immigration for good is when we've helped these places achieve true sustainability for themselves. And my series celebrates the frontline agencies bringing this about in brand new ways. That's Your Blue Continent on YouTube. Check it out. Thank <laughs> you.